0: dot com slash google teacher pod you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the google teacher podcast thank you for your continued support and may the googles be with you i'm aj bianco from podcast pd a proud member of the education podcast network just like the show you're listening to right now the opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one.
1: Welcome to episode 77 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell
2: from Shake Up Learning. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics in Google. Google Chrome. So we're just going to dive in and share some of our favorite tips and tricks, some of the features, some of the things that you may or may not know, or maybe have never tried before inside Google Chrome just to make life easier. So really excited to share that as well as some Google news and updates. There were a lot of updates that came out over the last week, as well as some feedback from our listeners and a few things from the blogs. You ready to do this, Matt?
1: I'm ready. Let's go. So let's dig into what is new with Google. And our first item comes from Jamboard. So if you're not familiar with it, Jamboard is kind of a newer tool um, in the Google universe. And Jamboard is, it's this neat thing. It was created um, initially to work with interactive touch panels or interactive screens, interactive displays. But you can work on it through a web browser as well. And it allows you to create sticky notes and to draw and to add text and move things around real easily. I think a lot of the things that we talk about on this show that you can do with slides and drawings, I think you can also do with Jamboard. Uh, Casey and I are still learning a lot about it too. And um, we're, we're excited to see the possibility in the classroom. And uh, Jamboard has created a new user interface or an updated user interface clearer, it's easier to navigate. They've brought in some of their material design, which is that same kind of googly design that you've seen across lots of their different um, tools. Uh, there are new buttons to open jams more quickly with fewer clicks. That's what you create in Jamboard. They call them jams. That kind of makes me happy. And they've got new logos and design elements um, that, that look more like the other G Suite products. So if you use Jamboard and you haven't seen any of these updates yet, they should be coming pretty soon.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I, Jamboard seems to be something that Google is really investing in now, and I expect to see more and more use. We had a, a discussion with some educators the other night about Jamboard, and it was really interesting. So some people kind of feel it's not quite ready for prime time yet, but I think they're getting there. And the fact that we're seeing so many updates coming, I think that's very telling about some of Google's intentions.
1: Mm hmm. Yep.
2: So something else that we mentioned, I think in a couple episodes ago, had to do with the accessibility settings in Doc Sheets, and Slides. And although some of these features have always been there, we don't always know where they are. And so what the update on February 27th is telling us is they're now going to give us a new way to see the settings. And I don't yet have this in inside my doc Sheets, and Slides. But you're supposed to be able to go to tools, accessibility settings, and see some new settings there. So this is going to give you a a special menu for accessibility, like turning on the screen reader support, turning on Braille, turn on collaborator announcements and the screen magnifier, et, et cetera. So while this is, you know, something that you may or may not realize was actually already part of Google, they are really, um, investing in promoting, I think now some of their accessibility settings. Cause we had, I think a couple of, of updates that have popped up about Chromebooks and other things that ha- in, in specifically talking about accessibility, which is so important for students. So um, not just the students who, who may need some modifications, but a lot of times these accessibility settings are good for all students, right? So it's really good to know about this. Our rollout looks like that um, it just going to start rolling out on February 27th. So it may take a few weeks for everyone to begin to see this in their, in their apps.
1: Yeah. You know, as you were reading this, I hadn't even looked yet, but in our show notes, I just noticed that I have access to the accessibility settings under tools and I just turned them on and it has this extra little Um, this extra little menu tab where it's got a speak option where it'll let you speak a selection. So if you want to hear it read to you, you can. And then it lets you kind of move throughout the different parts of um, of your document. So I'm only just now seeing this, but it looks like there's lots of options. And as far as people who need some of those accessibility settings, it's good that we have a little easier access to them. So definitely like that.
2: It's interesting though because you can see it, but I, if I'm correct, you're in a personal Google account in the yes. show notes, right? Yep, yep. so in Gmail I account. am in a in a business account, and I don't it hasn't rolled out to to my huh. business account yet. So, um, interesting, yeah. So I'll have to go check it out my personal account, see how it works.
1: Yes, absolutely. So next up on our list is something that has to do with sites, and so if you're interested in seeing or displaying to your visitors, all of the things that are available on your Google sites, now you have a table of contents. So inserting a table of contents into a page makes the navigation of the text-focused content, like if you do frequently asked questions, documentation, or wikis, makes that navigation super, super easy. And so all you do is you've got a little... Selection in your right-hand toolbar that says Table of Contents, and it'll pull in what appears to be all of the different content that you've got throughout your site, and it'll put it all in one place so you can see it. This makes me think back to the site maps that you see on websites sometimes. I haven't seen those as much on websites as I as I used to, but um, a site map would have you know all of the different pages, and this kind of reminds me of that. And then you can indent it so that you can see what is on what page. It's, it looks like it's, it's pretty handy in, uh, in certain uses. So that's another one of those things that they continue to add to the new Google Sites to pull in, you know, what seems to be the nice blend of this, the features that we liked in the old Google Sites and some of the things that they envision in doing in the new ones. So Google Sites keeps getting better.
2: And I totally agree. I love that we continue to still get great updates to Google Sites and make it even more powerful and user friendly. Now, I'm going to jump into something that some of you are really going to want to pay attention to. So for years, I have been asked, Casey, how do I check grammar in Google Docs?
3: Ah,
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, big question. And so, you know, we've had different, you know, extensions and things that you can run. Well, earlier this year, some of you may remember that Google did announce a beta for grammar suggestions. I actually was trying it out for a while. And so the the new features will enhance that existing spell check that we have, right? But also highlight possible grammatical errors in the text. So, they are adding some improvements to this. It's still, I think, technically in beta, but um, I know a lot of you are still really, really wanting this. So They will have um, grammar updates where you can see possible grammar corrections that will be underlined in blue, and then you will right-click to, uh, to dismiss the alert or to s- see the suggested correction. And then there's going to be new language review interface, too. So you'll easily review all language suggestions for your document with the updated spelling and grammar check tool. So um, this will be available through the tools menu. And this is the part that I'm a little bit unsure about. So the way they wrote the title of this update says Spelling and Grammar Improvements for Docs Enterprise. Well, if you remember, Enterprise was sort of this special version of G Suite that Google has that has these enhanced features, but it's not free. So they were offering even Google for Education Enterprise, but it had these paid features. But when you scroll down and you look at the rollout details, it does say, available to G Suite Basic, uh, yeah, Business, does. Enterprise, and G Suite for Education. So I am a little unclear if that's just going to be G Suite for Education Enterprise, or if they are going to be good to us like they should be, because this is definitely a tool that teachers and students need. So um, don't hold me responsible <laughs> <laughs> if, if this doesn't come to you, because I know many, many people are, are begging for this.
1: Yep, absolutely. So if you want to check out the details or the links to any of the things we talked about today, feel free to go to the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 77.
2: Okay, y'all, let's dig into some Google Chrome. So I always tell people that I consider Google Chrome the learning environment for all things Google. So when I do any kind of training for teachers, if I am teaching multiple Google apps, I always start with Chrome because I want to make sure that we're setting them up for success. So teachers and students understanding the environment that they're working in. And if you don't know this, you should. Google works best with Google. So go figure that the Google applications that we use inside Chrome are actually going to work better in Chrome. They may have some enhanced features and other things that we can do I don't know what I would do without Chrome. I have so many things that I have set up and I'm a tab hoarder, as a lot of people know (laughs) that I constantly just have multiple profiles and tabs and everything open. That's just how I operate. But I love the fact that I can do it. So with that, Matt and I have several tips and tricks that we want to share with you today. Some of these are about features. Some of these are just some quick tips to help you make the most out of Google Chrome. So I'm going to kick things off first with something I believe I I mentioned maybe at the end of an episode a few weeks back. But one of the, the biggest things that I ever learned in Chrome that has just saved my life is how to manage multiple accounts using Chrome profiles. So so with Chrome profiles you can set up each of your google accounts and easily toggle between windows that are logged into separate Google accounts so every time I start a training and I see teachers in say their drive and they're going to click on the little um, icon that usually has the their initial or a picture for their account. And then you click on it and you see several accounts or maybe just two, right? And they're toggling that way. I'm like, no, 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 please stop there's a better way i promise and so i created a tutorial video to walk you through these steps cuz there are several steps cuz i want you to clean up the bad way before you do the good way and um it's called you're doing it wrong <laughs> so because that was just one of those things that i like i would spend so much time in training and as soon as you set it up it's just it's just like a breath of fresh air so once it's set up you can click in chrome in your where your extensions appear, those little icons, down at the end, there should be the little account icon, whatever you ha- picture you have for your account. And you can click on that and you'll be able to see the list of your accounts. Now, I have like 12 Google accounts, so this is like a, a must-have for me. But most people, I found, have at least too, right? Your personal and your school. So if you're constantly going back and forth, you definitely want to come back to this. Um, It's not something I, it would take the whole episode if I tried to walk you through every step, but We've got it all in here. I've got a YouTube video tutorial. If this is something new to you, you cannot merge accounts. So let me just say that before you even ask, you cannot merge accounts. People ask me that all the time. And if you think about it, um, your school account is owned by your school. Your personal account's owned by you. They're not going to let different owners decide to take other people's stuff. It's just not how Google works. But the other thing is you cannot migrate things to different accounts. So if you're like, I just lost all my extensions. Yes, you do have to reinstall extensions. So I'll just put that out there before we get all the questions.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things that I did poorly until Casey taught me how to do it. Um, I learned through her blog post, just like uh, I know lots of other people had. I was one of those where I had just one Chrome profile and I would log out and log in and log out and log in. And it was such a headache. And now I've got like nine different profile. I was counting them while you were, you were saying that you had like 12 of them. I just counted mine and I've got nine of them and I switch back and forth between them. And it is a dream. It is so much easier if you have to navigate between multiple different, um, uh, Google accounts. This is so, so, so much easier. And so I'll keep, see, I have one of those extended desktops, you know, with my um, MacBook that I use, I've done it with a Windows laptop also, where I'll connect a separate monitor to it so that I've got two different screens and I'll extend them. Um, And sometimes I'll have, like, for instance, right now, as we're working on the, um, the show, I've got our Google Teacher Tribe Google account logged in on one screen. Um, where I've got the email so we can check all of our, um, you know, all of our feedback from our listeners and everything. But then I've got the, the show notes open on a separate screen in a separate window that's logged into a different account because I, uh, I do that through, through there. So just having this is it's so much easier. It sa- saves you so much of a headache. And I'm really glad that, that Casey mentioned this. So um, speaking of the little things that, that really help out, I've got just a few of them that I wanted to share real quick that can really save you some time. Um, one of them has to do with the bookmarks bar. And so if you don't have your bookmarks bar enabled, you can click on your little three dots up in the top right of Chrome and go to bookmarks. And you hit show bookmarks bar. That's also control shift B will uh, pull that open for you. And Casey said she's a tab hoarder. I'm a bookmark hoarder. So I've got lots and lots of bookmarks and I have them all saved in folders. And so you may notice that if you right click on your bookmarks bar that you can go add folder and under those folders, see, I have... I have all sorts of these different folders. Whenever you click on a folder, it'll just display that whole list, just drop them down. So this is great for you as a teacher, um, as an educator, trying to pull together and save all of the resources that you want to keep handy. It's also a really nice skill for kids to learn because if they have folders for different classes, then all of a sudden they don't have to type things in. They don't have to Google search to find something. They just hit that bookmark and all of a sudden, boom, it's right there. Now, There is a fun little trick that you can use to save yourself room up there because you know, with all of the bookmarks that you put across there, if you get to be like me, (laughs) you run out of real estate pretty quickly. And so if you want to save yourself some time up there, one way to do that is to right-click your new bookmark. And now you'll notice that with these bookmarks, they have these little icons, these little square icons. They call them Um, favicons or favicons, it's like the little icon that you see next to the URL next to the web address in your browser. And that makes it a little bit easier to see what it is that you're going to pull up. Now, what you can do is you can right click on these bookmarks and you can edit them. And so what I'll do sometimes is I will edit mine to shorten that name big time. Like for instance, I've got a bookmark on mine right now for my Android messages that connects the You know the the messages app from my phone to my computer. Only I've changed the name of it to just msgs because it looks like messages, but it's real short. That saves me room, so I can get more bookmarks on there. Another fun way to do that is to edit that bookmark and just delete all the text out of it altogether. And so what that means is that you just have the little icon, just the little favicon or favicon or whatever. So then that way, you if you know what that icon stands for and you don't need the text, now you can fit even more stuff on there. So lots and lots of things that you can do with bookmarks. And, of course, the easiest way to add a bookmark I have found is in your URL bar, you know, where you see your web address of where you are currently. You've got that little star button and if it's not saved as a bookmark that star is just kind of like an empty little star but whenever you click on it it turns yellow or blue and then that's where you can choose which folder you want to stick it in where you want to save it and then once it's saved in there then it's flagged as a as a bookmark so Bookmarks are one of those fantastic things that have to do with Chrome. And the nice thing about them, too, is if you followed Casey's advice at the top of this segment and you create Chrome profiles, your bookmarks go with you. So you just log into a Chrome profile and all of a sudden it pulls in all of your bookmarks. It doesn't save them forever on the on the device. It just pulls them in while you're logged in so that you can see them. So love, love, love me some bookmarks.
2: Yes. And bookmarks like you, I do have a million bookmarks Mm -hmm. and I put most of the things that I need in that bookmarks bar. And I do have the folders like you do. And I do have some of them taken down to just the favicon. And uh, you can also click and drag from the omnibox so that that big box where you type in the url or you search that's that's what i'm calling the omnibox so you can actually click on whether you see the the little favicon or like i'm in docs right now so i see the little lock so i can see it's a secure site if you just click and drag from there you can then drop it into the bookmarks bar too so it's very very handy
1: it's like magic
2: it's magic (laughs) yes and I, I learned, I have not heard someone call it a, a, fa- a favicon. Oh, that's that like, might just
1: be me. That's,
2: <laughs> like, that's like a mid, is that a Midwest? as a fat, mid- it's is fabulous. It's so- <laughs>
1: yeah, a fabulous favicon, Casey. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about a different feature that. I use all the time in Chrome and something that really just saves me a lot of time and a lot of headaches, and it's incognito mode. So if you're not familiar with incognito, it's a special mode inside Chrome that allows you to what they call browse in private, which sounds really scary, especially with students. So a lot of schools don't enable it for students. They may also block you as the teacher from being able to use it because it's not tracking your history or your cookies or anything like that. However, it's very, very useful. So if you can get it for teachers, get it for teachers, because what it's going to do is when I open an incognito window, which, by the way, you can go to your three dots at the top right and go to new incognito or use the keyboard shortcut command shift in or control shift in. And it's going to open incognito window and it's going to tell you, hey, you've gone incognito and it's all black. So it looks very different than your other windows. And it's going to tell you now you can browse privately and other people who use this device won't see your activity. OK, so but what's great about incognito mode, do you have um, sometimes maybe a shared computer in, say, the teacher's lounge or somewhere where you go and you go check your email and you look? And nobody has logged out of their Google accounts. Mm -hmm. And you could go check the email of like seven different teachers because they have all logged in right there. Okay, let's stop this because that's just bad protocol. Um, We don't want other people accessing our information if on that computer you set it up and opened an incognito window to go check your email as soon as you close an incognito window all of your stuff is automatically removed no it's not going to show up logged in anywhere else um it's not going to save your passwords it's not going to do anything like that so if if say i'm sitting next to matt at a conference i'm like hey matt can i use your computer i would use it and in open incognito to go do what I needed to do so that, one, I didn't mess up his stuff, but two, that I didn't accidentally forget and leave anything open on his computer because then he might see that I was talking about him. So- <laughs> You got to stop doing that, Casey. <laughs> I know. I know. Right in front of you, too. All right. So um, but it's, it's extremely handy for login. in. So if you're a teacher and say you've got kids coming up to the front of the room to present using the teacher machine or whatever machines connected to your projector, this will save you so much time and headaches of logging in and logging out. Just open incognito. Let the kids log into their Google account, share their slides, whatever they're doing, and then close the window. Next kid comes up, new incognito. They still have to log in. Yes, that still does take some time, but you're you're not getting confused on whose account is open and switching accounts and it's just a nightmare. So the other thing that I use incognito for almost on a daily basis is to check links. So for instance, I was sharing today a folder with a group of people and I wanted to make sure they could all see it. And so I was in a hurry and made it anyone with the link in my organization could view and forgot to go higher. So I tried to open it up and I check it in incognito because I'm not logged in as anyone in incognito until I decide to log in. And I could see that my link was not correct. Same thing for training. So when I'm sharing, you know, a Google site or um, a slide deck or whatever it is, I just check the link in incognito to make sure it's publicly available without having to log in. So um, I have an entire blog post, actually, with lots of these ideas called Eight Awesome Reasons to Go Incognito in Google Chrome. And of course, it's in our show notes. So if this is new to you and you really want to find out what the fuss is all about and how incognito can be used for good and not evil, <laughs> you should go check it out.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I'm glad that you mentioned that you use it to check links because that's something that I've done an awful lot too. And of course that works with Google files, but it does work with other things too. So if you want to see if, you know, for instance, I work in WordPress on my blog and if I want to make sure that something looks a certain way to everybody that shows up who's not logged in, I can always go to incognito just to make sure that I am totally, totally logged out. So yeah, lots of reasons to do it and it's not as naughty as you think that it is. (laughs) Even though browsing in private sounds like that's what it is. So, um, I wanted to wrap up my part of this with a little discussion about tabs and some neat things that you can do with those. So, um, (laughs) Casey mentioned earlier that she's a tab hoarder and I get to be that way too. So, um, So being able to manage your tabs nicely is, is something useful for you and of course for your students too. So there are a couple things you can do with tabs that you might not know about. One is to have certain tabs pop up whenever you start up, um, Google Chrome. So for me, I've had, um, Gmail, for instance, uh, set up as a startup tab I've had Twitter set up as a startup tab so that they just show up and I don't have to actually open them if you find that there is something you know for instance if you have your learning management system or if you have your grading or your attendance or whatever if you bring those up every single day all the time if you have these set up as a startup tab then that makes things pretty easy so the way that I always do that is I click on the little menu button and go to settings And within settings, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a part that says on startup. And so on startup says, you know, is it going to open a specific set of pages? Is it just going to continue where you left off? So if you close Chrome, will it open up those same tabs? Or is it just going to open to the new tab page? So that's where you can manage that to have those pop up every time. So that's handy. There's also, and this is one that I'm sort of learning about, um, is the ability to pin tabs too. And so, with pin tabs, what's nice about that is they show up—they um, show up smaller in your tab menu. So, if you want to save a little bit of space up in your tabs, um, then what you can do is, you know, you right-click that that tab and then you pin it and then it, it stays right there and it goes right to the the front of the list i think casey you use this fairly regularly don't you every day yeah yeah and why since i'm still sort of I'm, I'm just being totally transparent here i'm still sort of learning about pinning tabs why is it that you that you love this
2: well first of all it's also because i use the setting in chrome to have it pick up where i left off oh, because yeah I am such a crazy person with my tabs, but um, the pin tabs will um, stay there. So those are the things that I keep open all the time. So I have Gmail, Drive, Twitter all right there because those are just things I go to all the time. The other thing that I I do love is that it kind of shrinks it down and puts it at the beginning of your list. So it kind of moves it out of the way until you're ready to to go over there. But um, no, pin tabs definitely is, is something I like. Occasionally you'll lose them kind of depends how you've how many windows you've opened and where you've closed them and how it, it tries to recognize where you're leaving off. But no, it's definitely something I, I
1: use every day. Mm, yeah, I'm going to start using that a little bit more. I like that. Um, as far as tabs go, there was one other thing I wanted to share real quick. And if, if you've been listening for very long, you do know that I do love a good keyboard shortcut. I'm kind of a keyboard shortcut nerd. And um, what I really like with um, Chromebooks is the ability to use the three-finger swipe left and right to be able to switch between your tabs. So all you've got to do there is you rest your three fingers. You know, for me, it's usually index finger, middle finger, ring finger. You know, just rest those on the, um, the touchpad and then swipe right and left, and it lets you move back and forth, back and forth through your tabs to the one that you want to select. I love that on Chromebooks, but my daily device is a MacBook, and so Macbooks don't have that ability. So if you're looking for a way to swap between tabs quickly and easily, you can always use control, unless you're on a Mac in which case it's command, control shift and then use the bracket buttons. You know, the bracket buttons are right next to the the letter P on your keyboard. And so if you use those bracket buttons, you can you can click back and forth between your tabs and to move. So if you're trying to avoid grabbing the mouse and clicking on something, which is you're going for like optimum efficiency, um, using the mouse is the less efficient way to go. And the keyboard shortcut is the more efficient way to go. You can use that control shift and the brackets button, and you can switch back and forth between those tabs pretty easily. So those are, those are some of my favorite things when it comes to managing your tabs.
2: I will add one more little keyboard shortcut to that. That's pretty awesome is instead of using the Bracket just do um, control or command and a number on your keyboard, so like control four, and it will jump to the fourth tab in your list. So, um, although I have too many tabs to count, so it's <laughs> actually more complicated for me to try to do it that way. But anyway, the the control or command and the number, and you can jump to a tab. So it, it definitely would help too. So, like Gmail is always number one for me, so I can use that just to jump to
1: Gmail. Good thinking. Yeah. So if this has been useful to you and you want to dig into this a little bit more, we do of course have links to some support pages and some blog posts and everything. Um, and you can find those at our show notes at Google teacher slash 77. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. All right. It's time for the mailbag. You know, Casey, something that just dawned on me is that sometimes whenever we start this session, have you ever noticed that sometimes we say, let's jump into the mailbag?
2: Yeah, like potato sack race or something. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I, I never really thought about that until just now because I almost said it and I caught myself. So um, if
2: Badner's listening, he might draw a picture.
1: He might. Yeah, that's true. That is that is a good point. So, um, So Tribe, let's get started with the mailbag section of the podcast, shall we? <laughs> there, I avoided it. Uh, our first message comes from Caroline Goodman from Memphis, Tennessee, and she has a sort of a frustration, frustrating situation with the domains for her uh, school. So if uh, this is something that you're struggling with, uh, this may be useful, or maybe even some of the discussion may be useful for you too. So Caroline, go ahead and take it away.
4: Hello, Caroline Goodman here from Memphis, Tennessee. Love, Google Teacher Tribe. Thanks for all you do and sharing new ideas with us. I have a question that I'd like you to help me try to figure out the answer to. At school, we have two Gmail accounts, a .org domain for faculty and staff, and a .net domain for students. This means that teachers frequently create docs, sheets, slides, forms in either one or both accounts. Oftentimes, Google Docs and presentations and other content gets lost between the two. So sometimes teachers aren't sure if the document was created or shared with their .org or .net accounts. I'm looking for one way to search between both Google Drive accounts. Is there an extension or an app I can use so that teachers can type in a search, and it will search both their .org and .net accounts for the Google Doc or presentation or form that they're looking for.
1: All right. So this is something that we don't see a ton, but we do know that that some schools do it. And you know, really there is no easy way if you have students on one domain, like she has a .NET and faculty and staff on a .org, there is no easy way to go between those two. So I was thinking what you might even want to do is have the .NET and the .org set up as Chrome profiles. It's the exact same thing we were talking about earlier. And then have Drive open in both of those. And then You know, for me, if I was a teacher in that situation, I would keep those windows open and I would get good at my, um, my window switching shortcuts, you know, for, for, a for a windows device, you're going to use alt tab. Um, you can do the same thing with command tab on a Mac to be able to switch. And so being able to switch back and forth between those windows quickly, you could do a quick search in one. If you don't find it, just do that keyboard shortcut and switch over, um, you know, there's nothing that I know of that will solve this, you know, that will create the solution the way that you want. But I think giving them maybe some of those little tricks can help make a bad situation not so bad.
2: Yeah, this drives me crazy. We had a lot of schools when they first started implementing uh, Google for Education that that really set up these separate domains. And most of them have decided to stop doing that and have have merged those two. So um I have my my prayers go out to you, Caroline, that you, your school will eventually see that the that this is causing probably more headaches than solutions for you. But um of course one of the things that I do all the time is is share with myself. Um, but I imagine when you're getting things shared from other students, you don't have a lot of control over that. So it just means you're moving things into folders and just a hot mess. So anyway, if anybody else has a solution for that, please uh, leave us leave us a voicemail on googleteachertribe.com and let us know how you're handling the multiple domain situation. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. We've got a message from Jenna, who is in Cape Town, South Africa. What? You believe we're hearing from South Africa, Matt?
1: I know. I'm so excited. I'm super excited about this.
2: Yes. So um, Jenna is a huge fan of, of Google and Google Slides, and she has an awesome project that she has been doing with her kindergartners that we want you to hear. So take it away, Jenna.
3: Hi, Madam Casey. I'm sending you this message all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Love your podcast. I've been listening from the beginning, and I share your love for the Swiss Army knife of the Google tools being Google Slides. And I want you to share this idea with you. So as part of an extracurricular activity that we do at school, an art class, um, I've wanted to incorporate the iPads that we have at the school and the Google tools, specifically um, Google Slides. And we've been using this to create ebooks for our sort of what kindergarten, you would call age students, to read. And um, they're sort of number books, counting books, And what we've done is um, as part of the art sort of portion is that our students have um, painted backgrounds on white paper using watercolors and then taken photographs of those backgrounds. And then they use the crop tool within um, Google Slides to crop those um, images to different shapes. And then they use those shapes to compile a new image. So, for example, a robot and um, and then they use group and group all the um, shapes together and copy and paste and sort of make multiple versions of the same robot that can then be counted. And, of course, the collaboration means that uh, we can all work on the project together and it's super fun.
2: I mean, doesn't that just make your heart swell just a little <laughs> bit? I mean, come on, that sounds adorable. And so we are asking Jenna to to share some examples or pictures so that we can see these beautiful pieces of artwork and eBooks that these students are creating. And I, I just love it. This is a fantastic way to make use of this. And you know what? They're doing it in kindergarten too. So um, just love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Jenna. Hey, Tribe. Let's see what's been going on in the blogosphere. So uh, I have a couple of things that I want to share with you. The first one is I wanted to mention that we're gearing up for another Shake Up Learning book study, and I'm giving away some books to to help get everybody excited about that. So There is information on the show notes on how to join that. It's a special Facebook group. It's not the regular Shake Up Learning Facebook group. We've got one that's special just for the book study. But the same week, in fact, I am launching a new podcast. It is called The Shake Up Learning Show, and it will launch on March 26. So um, these two things will actually go hand in hand with each other as I am releasing five episodes on March 26 that will align very well to the things that we're going to talk about in the book study that starts on March twenty-eighth. So anyway, you can get more information um, by going to shakeuplearningshow.com or um, just visit the the blog and you'll find all kinds of information there and of course the links are in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 77
1: yeah i'm gonna be subscribing to this show too and just in case you're nervous i can't remember if we've talked about this on a previous episode or not google teacher tribe isn't going anywhere casey and i are still teaming up on it you can't get rid of us that easily so can't wait to to hear about that I uh, just recently published an article on the Ditch That Textbook blog about Google Slides interactive notebooks. Now, I am not an expert or a veteran in interactive notebooks, but I know lots of teachers are excited about them and a lot of them use them. And I also know that sometimes uh, when we do interactive notebooks, we start off with grand hopes and then they kind of end up like worksheets glued into a notebook and so my my big question in this post is how can we do it better how can we utilize the multimedia and the linking and the interactive powers of Google slides to create a digital interactive notebook and so that's really what this is and <laughs> this was one of those beastly uh, blog posts that started out like with a small idea that ended up becoming huge so um, there's lots and lots of step-by steps I put, 20 activities that you can put into your interactive notebooks and i even created this pretty good sized um template that you can download that has lots of those activities it has some pre-created um slides that you can share with your students so if you want to check that out that one also is in the show notes at googleteachertribecom slash 77
2: well, wow, Matt, this is like 12 blog posts in one. I know. This is awesome. <laughs> yes. Great job. I can't wait to dig into this. Teachers are going to love this.
1: Okay, folks, that does put a bow on another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe. Uh, hopefully you've got some new ideas that you can use with Chrome. If you're not using those Chrome Profile, as I'm telling you, that's going to really change things for you. So definitely go check that out. Um, we love having you as a listener. And if you haven't already, if you do love the show, have you shared it with anybody else? We would be honored if you would tell somebody uh, about the show um, just to, to help other people get to know about it, to know about some the news that and updates and some of the cool things you can do with google you know sharing is caring so we we do care about you an awful lot would love it and would be totally honored if you did share the show um we also would love to hear from you so definitely go to the GoogleTeacherTribe.com site and leave us a voice message with anything cool that you're doing any questions that you have you know that we do love to interact with the tribe and to get you guys on the show so Um, any of that stuff we would be super super excited if you would do that super super (laughs) that's a double super that's right
2: we are really trying to wrap this up right
1: yeah i think so so why don't we just why don't we just end it right here and say we'll see you all on the next episode of the google teacher tribe podcast
2: bye y'all